So I'm just so really privileged to be here on such an important occasion for you as you kind of wind up your special time here as a church together. And so I just feel honoured um, and just really my heart goes out to you. We, we have another church in our network for which I'm a trustee and that also is being merged. And um, I know that there's pain involved in that process. Um, so I do feel for you. Um, but God has given me a message for you today and I'm praying that it will really touch your heart and help you to cope as you transition. So Lord, I just thank you um, for this opportunity and I thank you, Lord, um, that you are Lord. You are Lord, Lord of all. And as we come to you this morning, many people feeling different things, we pray that we would embrace your Lordship and believe that the plans that you have for us are good. And Lord, I just pray you would touch people's hearts and bring revelation of some little thing that might help them through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. There are lots of things that happen in life over which we have no choice. And those are sometimes quite hard times to to deal with um, how we have to adjust and get ourselves in a different frame of mind as we move forward. Those things we can't choose are always that little bit harder, aren't they? Where you feel like your voice hasn't been heard or you don't know quite how you got into this situation, but it hurts. Um, And I I don't honestly know how each of you are feeling about this transition to move into Sunnymead. And for some of you, it may be, yay, let's go for it. Let's have a a new season and enjoy the ride. There'll be others that may be the middle ground thinking, yep, I'll give it a go. And there may be those who are thinking, no, I love our church as it is and I just want this to continue. So there'll be a whole range of different emotions and this morning I want to talk to you about making change work for you. Change is something that we all find difficult and to be honest as I've got older I found it more and more difficult and um, even the silly little thing like growing my hair colour out and letting my real colour show that has been really difficult so that's just a trivial thing. But, you know, we find it difficult to, to transition. We find it difficult to change, especially when our hearts are set on one particular thing. And so I want to just share really about how we can react to change to make it work for us. And that if we have the right attitude, we can come out of this better than we could even imagine. Paul writes, in uh, that really well-known verse, Romans 8:28, I know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And I really love the amplified version of this verse. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labour, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God 
and are called according to his design and purpose. And we have to remember who wrote this. Paul wrote it. And Paul had so many hard and difficult things happen to him. I'm sure you all have at some point read that horrible list of how he was beaten and shipwrecked and all the rest. And even when he was in prison, you know, him and Silas were in prison, he refused to let that circumstance get to him. In fact, they ended up worshipping God and praising God, even in the prison. And later on, when he talks to the Philippians again, and he's still in, he's in prison for a, a different time, and he says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So Paul wasn't just speaking from this perspective of my life's been just one long, easy ride. He's talking about even when times are tough and even when things are difficult. So I want us this morning actually to look at the life of Joseph and see how he managed to get on top of circumstances that he had absolutely no choice in and actually were really hard circumstances. I'm sure you know the story. Joseph was born to his father Jacob when he was reasonably old and he had ten older brothers um, from his uh, From his uh, Jacob's family, he had two wives, didn't he? And two uh, concubines, if you like. And so Joseph grew up with these ten brothers in a kind of rivalry type of situation. And he was the favourite one. And Jacob didn't even try and hide the fact that he was the favourite one. He made him this special coat. He made him stand out above all the others And it was so irritating to his brothers. How unfair. What a horrible treatment. They felt they were justified in being really angry with Joseph. And not only that, he had these dreams. And he wasn't even subtle or quiet about them. He was like, I've had these amazing dreams. And everyone could tell from the dreams that it looked like Joseph was thinking he was going to rule over them one day. And so that was even more irritating. And and on top of all of that, he also would go to his father and tell tales on his brothers. At this stage in his life, he was a right pain in the neck to his brothers. And I feel for them, really. However, it it got a bit too serious with them. And they made this little plot to kill Joseph. Good job they didn't do it straight away. They sat down, they thought they'd have their lunch, threw them in a pit, have their packed lunch, and after packed lunch, they might have calmed down just a little bit, and then they saw these traders coming. And they thought, oh, let's not kill him, we can get some money for him. So they actually sold him to these traders, these slave traders, and they took Joseph away. I don't think that's a very good picture. I think that Joseph was shouting 
Don't do this to me. Get me out of here. I'll tell dad of you when I get back. Save me. Look, brothers, there's no way stop treating me like this. I think he was really, really in turmoil, tearful, traumatised, afraid. And I don't think that picture represents it at all, but eventually, of course, he had to go on his way. And he was sold to um, a guy in Egypt who was in Pharaoh's court, Potiphar. And at this stage, he could so easily have got a bad attitude, couldn't he? He could have cried and felt sorry for himself. He could have whinged. He could have said, it's not fair. He could have said, I'm not doing anything while I'm here. I'm sure my dad will come and get me out of here sometime. This is, this is just not on. He could have had the most frightful attitude. And he w- we would all have felt sorry for him and say, well, you're justified in having that attitude. But he did none of those things. And we see him there where he actually decides, I'm going to bless this guy. I'm going to do the best I possibly can. I'm going to learn all I can from being in this situation. Isn't that a remarkable attitude? You know, he could have had the grumps all the time and done just a minimum, a bit bit of work. But he decided he would do the best with what he had. And so I would encourage you, as you move to Sunnymead, if you can possibly ask God to help you to embrace that change, to welcome it, to make the most of it. We mainly cannot choose what happens to us. We can't choose our circumstances, but we can actually choose our attitude. We can look for what God wants to do in the new situation. And for Joseph, this was all vital training. He didn't know that at the time. This was vital training. God had actually sent him there through these awful circumstances. He needed to know how to first manage a household because one day he was going to be managing a nation. And he had to do this right. It was important that he got his attitude right. And he didn't just kind of put up with the situation. It wasn't just resignation. Well, I'll just, oh, I'll just put up with this. I haven't really got a choice. I'll just put up with it. He was really looking to how he can support and bless and help Potiphar, who owned him. For Joseph, there were many challenges working for Potiphar. But one unexpected one was Mrs. Potiphar, who took quite a strong shine to Joseph and made it quite clear that she would like to have him in a way that wasn't right at all. And she fancied him badly. And each day he had to deal with her creeping up on him, her trying to manipulate him. And so he was very determined this wasn't right for him at all. And he continued to have that attitude of, no, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. 
and he tried to avoid her every single day. But then there was one really bad day where she actually kind of got hold of him and he had to make a run for it. Unfortunately, he left his coat behind. And when Mr. Potiphar came home for dinner that night, she made out that Joseph had attempted to rape her. And I think that must have been so, so hard for Joseph. So, so hard. He hadn't done anything wrong. And he finds himself put in a prison. Put in a prison for something he didn't do. Here's another opportunity for him to get a bad attitude. And he could well have. He could have just sat there and sulked and just prayed to God that he would get him out. He thought he, he could have just said, I've given up on dreams. They don't work out. Nothing's working out for me. This is just really bad. But yet again, he picks himself up. And quite remarkably, although he wasn't free on the outside, although he was a slave on the outside, inside he was free. Inside, he made those choices that he could make and he chose to trust God even when it looked really unlikely that all those things that he dreamt about, all those things he thought were going to happen to him were just not going to happen. He kept faithful to God and he kept even in the prison. And you just think, you know, for him that might have seemed just the end of everything. Even in the prison, even when it was unjust, unfair, he'd been badly treated, he still looked for ways to bless people. And so I would just encourage you as you kind of make this transition to do what Joseph did, to keep your heart pure. Above all else, Proverbs says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Everything comes out of your heart. And it comes to the surface often when you're under pressure. And when you're under pressure and grotty stuff comes up, it's really important to deal with it and take it to the cross and take it to the Lord and just say, I'm really not coping with this well, Lord, because A, B, C, and give it to him. And let him say, cleanse my heart, Lord. Cleanse my heart from any bitterness, resentment, self-pity, anything. Lord, cleanse me. Keep my heart pure and keep open to him. Out of our hearts, everything else comes. And I know when I've been under pressure, I haven't really liked the things that have come up in me and I've had to go to God on many, many occasions and say, Lord, just cleanse this out. I don't want to carry this around for the rest of my life. I don't want to do as the song. I don't know if you know the song, um, uh, the Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat thing, but there's one song that goes, poor, poor Joseph, what you going to do? Things look bad for you. Hey, things look bad for you. And he could have sung that song. He could have sung that song. But he thought God is bigger and he knows what he's doing. And he didn't give up on his dreams. Amazing. And in the prison, Joseph continued to serve. And he had that heart to serve other prisoners. And it was such a strong thing that the prison guard, in, in the end, let him do a lot of the work. 
talking to the prisoners, giving them what they needed, etc. And he didn't stop using his gifts. He could have. He could have thought, oh, blow, you know, dreams, I don't care about dreams, they don't work out. But no, these two guys come in, the butler and the baker, and they have dreams. And he says, oh, tell me your dreams. Tell me what you're thinking. And he ends up interpreting their dreams to them. And he just doesn't stop wanting to be used by God, whatever's going on. And, you know, all of us have gifts. And I know we're British, and so we're really bad at recognising this, aren't we? We're the ones who only put the chairs out. We're the ones who just make a cup of tea. We're the ones who only just stand around chatting to people because I make them feel welcome. No, God has given each of you a gift, uh, more, than, more than one I'm imagining. And it's so important to ha- use those gifts to serve and bless other people and have that heart. And, you know, whatever you're good at, you, you know, whatever you're good at, sew it in. We're so bad, aren't we? We look at someone else, but I can't do what they do. No, you can't. <laughs> they're them. They're using their gifts. But you have gifts. You have something to offer. And as you go to Sunnymead, I would encourage you to use what you have and bless somebody else. Bring, you know, I've always said to Joan, you've got something special here. I sense it every time I come in. There's a sense of family. There's a sense of being open to the Holy Spirit. There's a sense of wanting more of God. Um, and caring for each other. And I would just so encourage you to go with that attitude of how can we bless the people at Sunnymead? How can we bring them that special thing that we have got? So, the day came... Oh no, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. So, and Joseph always had this thing that he was trusting God to work everything together for good, like that verse we started at at the beginning. He knew that there was something about him, something that God was on his case no matter what happened, and it would work out for good. So the day came where it was God's time to raise Joseph up. And this was you know, probably when he got right to the end of his own resources. He'd said to the butler, when you get back to the palace, can you just put in a word for me with Pharaoh? Because I'm in here for something I didn't do. Two years pass. Oh my goodness, what a long two years. But the day comes and Joseph was now ready. He was ready to fulfill all God's plans for him. He comes in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh shares his dreams. And Joseph, now a very humble man, not like we saw him at the beginning, says, I can't do it. I can't tell you what your dreams mean. But God can. He can use me to bring that interpretation to you. And this is now the time for Joseph to rise up and fulfill all the plans that God had for him and all the wisdom, the discernment, the management skills that he had learnt by serving in the prison, serving in Potiphar's house, they were all going to be used now 
And it is just incredible when we see him come before Pharaoh and he just, it is his time. It's his time. And he is so, so ready. I love the bit at the end of Genesis. I love the bit where we see Joseph's true heart come out. When Jacob, Joseph's dad, died, the brothers got really anxious. They got really worried. They thought it's payback time. Joseph now is going to really want to make us pay for all that we did to him. And we just find this story, I just find it absolutely gobsmacking. So Genesis 50, verse 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Oh, I just just love that. It's like, won't you ever understand me, boys? Won't you ever get that I'm okay with this because of God, because God had his hand on me. And he goes on to say, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives so then don't be afraid I will provide for you and your children and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them I find that passage amazing this just shows that like he'd forgiven them years ago he didn't forgive them on that day He didn't forgive them because he'd now got to a good place. He forgave them years ago. Only by forgiving them could he have got to really embrace that time of training and embrace all that God had for him. I just think it's beautiful. And he understood all the time that if God hadn't sent him to Egypt, that many lives would have been lost all that turmoil and all that, all that difficulty, all the challenge that he'd faced was actually God positioning him for something better than he could ever thought or imagine. God is so, so interested in the state of our hearts. So, so interested, more probably than in what we actually do for him. I love this verse in Psalm 105, verse 19, in the New Living Translation. It says, Until the time came for Joseph to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. He tested his character. You know, 
in this room, we're all kind of, well, we're not young, are we? (laughs) And time has gone on. Have all the things that happened to you made you stronger in God? Have they made you the person you are today? Have you let God sift your heart? Have you let him deal with things that can just poison you just a little bit, just a little bit here, and that poison can spread? God is so, so interested in the state of our hearts. He wants to use everything that happens, and he has a particular purpose. We considered at the beginning, didn't we, Romans 8:28. in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So what is the good that God works in us? Well, the following verse tells us what happens. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And the Amplified, I love this little phrase in the Amplified, to be moulded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness. You know, we can only see each other on the outside, can't we? You can see my white hair. You can see, you know, we can see different things about each other. But God sees into our hearts. And what is there is like gold to him. It's so precious. And all the stuff that happens, if we just let it work in us and mould us, we will get to be more like Jesus. And then who knows what will happen? Who knows what doors will open for us? Who knows what God will give us as we move into the future? In a way, I kind of feel it's all about surrender. It's all about letting God be God letting him do what he needs to do in us through circumstances which are very often outside of our control. And I'll tell you in my own life, I would say that the harder circumstances have done more in me than the easier circumstances. The things I've had to battle with have made more gold in my life than the things that have been easy. And so I would just encourage you, as you step out into a new season for you as a church, and some of you will find it difficult at first, you will. And and maybe you'll even decide that that particular place isn't for you, I don't know. But whatever happens, let God be God and let him do in you that deep work that he needs to do. He is God. He knows what's best for you. He promises to walk with us. And for me, that has been just the most amazing thing, to walk with God through my life, knowing his presence is right there, knowing that he has good on his mind for me and for people that I might reach for Jesus in some way or influence, or help in some way. It is all about surrender. As we surrender our lives to him, he can do more in us than we could possibly think or imagine. And we can become more like Jesus, which for me, that's my heart. 
I want to be more like Jesus. Not on the outside, I don't care about that. I want to know in my heart that actually I'm getting more like Jesus. So I just want to pray for you all. Father, you know... You know how we you know how we're made each one of us and each one of us has got our own particular strengths our own particular weaknesses lord but you love us just exactly as we are and you always have good plans for the, for us and you're always working all things together for good in our lives lord sometimes we we want something instant we want to feel better we want to like what's happening We want our lives to be easy, but we know, Lord, that it is often through that those difficult things that cross cross over our will in our lives that in those times we can become more like Jesus. And so I thank you, Lord, that you have good plans for these lovely people here. And I, I, I pray, Lord, they can process their feelings with you. Some might even need to grieve. Lord, we just pray that whatever it is, they will bring, bring it all to you, Lord, and surrender it and say, Lord, this is my pain. This is what I'm going through, or this is what I'm finding easy even. Whatever it is, we can bring it to God. I thank you, Lord, that you just, you see us absolutely in truth. You know what's in our hearts. And sometimes that stuff has to come out and sometimes we need to be challenged and sometimes we need to go on a different path. But you always show us and you're always faithful. And so I just really thank you, Lord. And I pray that you would bless each person here and that they will walk close to you through this challenging season. In Jesus' name, amen.